everybody. This is SecDevOps.ai. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio Show. Glad to be back again, along with a very special guest from the SANS Threat Hunting and Incident Response Conference. We have Roberto Rodriguez, mm-hmm. expert threat hunter, a lot of things moving and shaking in the cybersecurity space, and props on Helk. Lots of community buzz and a great (laughs) contribution by yourself. Thank you. So it would be great if you can introduce yourself to all of the listeners and viewers. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much for having me first in the the show. And so my name is Roberto Rodriguez. Again, I go by Cyber War Dog in Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm also so passionate about, you know, open source technology and, and how we can start leveraging that to, to start having people without resources or people that want to learn how to take their, you know, analytics skill to, to the next level without any crazy efforts trying to buy a tool or trying to buy a license for something. So that's pretty much what I like to do, kind of like summarizing why I love to just do what I do now. So. Right. Awesome. How did you even get into the space to begin with? So this was very interesting. Probably it's not the same as a lot of people that I've heard <laughs> how they started in right. the in the industry. But actually, so I want to take it all the way back to when I moved from Peru, actually, because I was born here, but I you know grew up in Peru. When I came from Peru, the only you know, major that was available for me to kind of like sign up was computer science. And you know, that was because my dad was actually a you know computer engineer. Oh wow! And and then you know I just wanted to do something, and I wasn't as interested at the beginning because it was all related to you know configuring a couple of network devices and things like that. Move it to my you know bachelor's degree. Uh, the only thing that was available for me to you know you know, get these associates to a bachelor was computer network security. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. I'm kind of getting a little bit more into the, you know, cybersecurity part of computer engineering and all that. And then I remember attending my first, you know, CTFs and my first events with a lot of people. And I just didn't know what to do. Like, I was actually very scared and afraid that I was going to, you know, mess up something in the CTF because I just, you know, we were this like little team trying to figure <laughs> it out. And I felt that the support was not what I was expecting from a lot of people. And this happened a few times to, to me. Like, I was trying to learn a little bit of this and that, and it just didn't work. Like, I just felt that I was being a little bit ignored sometimes. You know, right. some people just didn't want to share their secrets, how yep. they call it, right? And, and, and the interesting thing is that sharing those secrets, right, it, it, it just happens all the way to a career that I have right now where, you know, where a lot of uh, people... I mean, the industry, I feel that um, kind of want to keep everything to themselves. And I feel that that comes down with, you know, personality, also with, like, you know, job security, right? right. So it comes with a lot of things. So when that happened to me, I was actually thinking about it. I was like, you know what? There might be a lot of people that might be going through this as well. Right. And I just uh, kind of like that day, I just, you know, went back home and I started actually reading a couple of my books. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start learning more about this. So maybe one day I can actually have my own CTF. Maybe one day right. I can start like sharing with people. Maybe one day I'll have someone that also, you know, walked in and, and you know, ask a question. I could be, hey, I can help you with that. And I think that that was kind of like the beginning of like me kind of getting into cyber. Then I got the opportunity to work with a, you know, this IT company in Delaware called MySherpa. And, you know, this company actually allowed me to do a lot of the basic, you know, help desk support and all that. But I was uh, so interested in cyber at that point that I started actually, you know, kind of building security awareness, you know, material Mm -hmm. for all the clients. Started kind of like talking to people. That was so important because I was able to start learning how to talk to a CISO, how to talk Mm -hmm. to a high up, right? Um, Just about security in general. 
fast forward, I, I got the opportunity to work with DuPont um, in, in Delaware as well. And, and that was a great opportunity for me to now kind of see cyber at scale. You know, with a big organization, the team was very small, but it was a interesting kind of like a kind of like first adventure to start seeing what it is actually to be in the cyberspace. And I started doing a lot of security monitoring, intelligence, a couple of malware analysis, and all that. And then after that, I started doing a lot of things in the financial industry, where I started kind of you know learning a little bit more about tools that you can use at scale. The financial institution that I worked for had a lot of different people building their own tools. And right. I was like, you know what? This is awesome. And there is where I started actually thinking about how can I start building something on my own that I can start sharing with everybody else. Right. So there is where the Helk idea kind of like started because I kind of started seeing every time you talk to a data scientist, they say, you know, just give me the data and I can analyze it. Mm-hmm. Every time you talk to a security analyst, they say, I have the data here in this dashboard. You know, we can actually query that. No, no, no. Like, I want this other tool in here. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, what? <laughs> I was like, okay. So there is a big disconnection mm-hmm. between security analysts, data engineers, and data scientists. There's like a big disconnection in there. And I was like, what can I do to build something that will start, you know, bring people together? And I started putting a couple of things together, and then the help started. And I think that from there is where a lot of this um, kind of like passion on doing even more and keep doing it started in the in, in the whole cybersecurity area because I felt that things that I was building actually were actually helping people right. rather than just feel, oh, you know what, this might be interesting, but who knows if you help anybody. Right. And, and when I started kind of like getting people to tell me, hey, I, you know, I like this idea and, and it, it's definitely helping me to not feel limited when I query data and it kind of, you know, my job uses this kind of similar technology and it mm-hmm. kind of helped me a lot. So that's kind of when I started, I guess, with the whole cyber. So was, was there some fear there when you shared your first open source software? Or? Yeah, it was definitely some fear. First, I thought I don't have, you know, when the project started, it was an army of one. So I was, right. I was just the one <laughs> coding everything and putting things together, reading a lot. And I was like, man, when this gets out, First, I, I, I just never thought, seriously, that the project was going to, you know, be to the point where a lot of people actually, you know, talk about it. And to me, at the beginning, was not a fear from how many issues I will have. But to me, the fear was kind of like to, to see if this actually will be helpful right. for somebody. Then when I started seeing a couple things going on, then I started feeling, like, okay, this is going to take to the point where I won't be able to probably even maintain it. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of issues and probably has a lot of bugs in here that I didn't think about. Like this was just like a weekend's project right. and, and all that. And and so, you know, I think that the beginning was more like, is this actually going to be helping somebody? Like I'm actually putting the time into something that will actually make it to the point where I could see someone, you know, playing with it one day. And I, I was just kind of like afraid that I don't know if that was going to be a good time to be spending, you know, you know to do that at the beginning. Because, mm. you know, when you have a family and all that, you want to make sure that, you know, that you prioritize what projects actually make sense and what projects will impact, you know, what you want to do in your industry as well. So, yeah. So. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, of course, having an open source project will come with criticism oh yeah and if it's really good it's going to come with github issues yes so (laughs) how do you scale the army of one do you now have other contributors that are helping you out yes 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 so thank god i have uh this friend of mine his name is nate guenti i think he he goes in twitter by neutron n-e-5 r-o-n neutron Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he has been so helpful with the project Helk. His experience is more on the Elk stack part of the project. And I think that that's the part of the project that, you know, requires a lot of maintenance because you have to make sure that if somebody wants to ingest a new data set, yep. it needs to be, you know, parsed properly. If somebody wants to build this dashboard, it needs to be aligned with our standardizations that we apply to the project. So, you know, you know, Nate has been so helpful and now I believe it's an army of two, not an <laughs> army of one. And, 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 you know, he's a very, very hard worker and I, you know, you know, want to you know, give him a big, you know, thank you because he's been so helpful with our project. The other pieces that I like to work the most is from a Jupyter Notebooks perspective, Apache Spark technology, all that. I think that the projects are very robust mm -hmm. and the people behind those projects in the community are doing so much work that a lot of the things that I have to do is figure it out just the integration and they even support the integration. So it's easy to kind of like maintain. If something breaks, I, I kind of open an issue on the Spark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something breaks in Jupiter, I open an, uh, an issue in Jupiter. Exactly. <laughs> so I see it more as a community project that at the end I believe is, is taking off. That something that I didn't, I didn't expect. One of the things I was most impressed with was the Jupyter Notebook yes. uh, kind of walkthroughs that you had. For those oh. that don't know what Jupyter Notebook is and yep. what these projects were, how would you describe them? Sure, sure. So the Jupyter Notebooks you know, project for me, I would say that think about as a document that you can actually access to, you know, through a web browser. And this document allows you to have input. So let's say you want to run a query. Then once you get the results, that output also gets saved. Then if you want to document your analysis, your procedures, what happened when you run this query? What did you do next and next? So you can pretty much start even having text visualizations. Mm -hmm. um, so you can create this you know, beautiful web document you know, that you can access it through your web browser, right? And that you can share with anybody else. And a Jupyter Notebook also allows you to have like the flexibility of working with languages that you use normally that you feel comfortable with to analyze data. Mm -hmm. So that piece to me is so important because now we take this basic concept of having a web document with input, output, and some capabilities to save your, your notes and your narrative, you know, how you tell the story about analysis. But now I can say, hey, if I work with Python, I can actually use Python and then start doing analysis with Python. My brother likes, for example, R as well. And, you know, he just does his things with R or, you know, Python as well, like PySpark. So it's very flexible open source tool that allows you to start telling a story, trying to analyze your data as well and integrates properly with a lot of other, you know, technologies that allows you to execute queries on different databases and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, really good. I, I think you, act, Ron, you actually introduced me to Jupyter Notebooks like way back when, back <laughs> at uh, IronNet. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a similar data science packet nice. capturing uh, okay. workbook. One of the things I like to think of it as is a war room for developers. Yes. Like if you have like a series of steps that you've taken, it's a yes. great place to mm -hmm. kind of work out of and also share with other developers yes. or analysts. The sharing and replication of your work, it, it's something that I believe in our industry is still lacking. You know, there's a lot of, you know, great people that are sharing a couple of screenshots for something that they, you know, ran a query with and, you know, but there is, you know, there needs to be a, a story behind it. You know, mm -hmm. why do you run the query? Yep. How do you get to the first, how do you get to the data? You know, how was that data even um, ingested or, you know, transformed before you even start querying the data set? And how many queries do you run after that? Like, was that the only query that you ran? So 
telling that story is is so beneficial for a lot of security analysts that are first either starting in the industry or that want to learn more. So finding a way to share what you do is, is huge. And the Jupyter Notebooks actually, you know, meets all these requirements and meets all these criteria that we want to, to work with. Right. So, yep. Yeah. So going to sharing, I, I know that I'm doing a lot. I'm trying my best to share more with the community. Chris is also yep. presenting at a lot of conferences. Yeah, nice. What, what, are, what is some advice that you would give someone who might have some skill set but is we talk about imposter syndrome. Maybe they right. have imposter syndrome to share mm -hmm. or some fears from their organization. Like, I don't want anyone to know that I'm, you know, working on this. What are some things that you would kind of propose yeah. to others that want to share? So something that I would recommend, I guess, now that the, in, you know, that the community is growing with a lot of all these projects already, I feel that people that feel that they don't know if they can contribute or not, or mm -hmm. they feel afraid about how to even go about and trying to share what they know, I think that... One of the ways that I would do is kind of get more integrated with a lot of other projects that are out there that might also have a similar path or, or a similar idea that they're working with and kind of start collaborating. Because when you see a project out there in GitHub, for example, and the project is well developed where you have a, a docs and you have mm -hmm. like how everything should, should be laid out. I remember before that I wanted to reach out to somebody and say, hey, you know, this is a great idea. I have some ideas. I don't know if they're going to work. And then I remember this other guy, I remember telling me, hey, you know, share those ideas and we can actually make it as a you know, new PR, as a commit and, and mm -hmm. all that. I didn't know what that was at that point. Right. But I think it was great to have somebody that actually had this, a similar idea and passion as me and trying to kind of like help me a little bit to, for example, when you start with an idea, you might have 20 different ways that you want to go. But then if you kind of like talk to somebody that is showing a similar type of work, that person might probably align you and say, hey, you know what? If you focus on these things, it will be actually, you know, good to share, like, you know, in that order. So probably summarizing that idea would be kind of like looking for some mentorship into what you want to do because it's it's very scary to go on your own. You know, it, it, it's, you know, sometimes it gets to the point where you start kind of like, you know, guessing that, you know, this is actually the best thing to do and, you know. And kind of at the end, you don't know exactly what the impact will be or if that's pretty much the end product, you know, that you expected. It's a lot of questions. So, you know, but if you reach out to people that actually m might have done something similar, then it will be easier to, to start having that conversation. And, and, and that's what I started doing this as well, because I wanted to make sure that I'm approachable as well for, for others that want to, to contribute, that want to work with, you know, all these projects. You know, something that I did, you know, recently that will be presented in the summit is actually to put all these projects together, like the HELP, the 300 Playbook, OSEM, all these projects that we're working on under one umbrella and have this public organization to be kind of like this, you know, open community where we want to invite people to actually talk. You know, let's just start the conversation. We want to categorize different projects where if you're interested in data engineer, you know, data engineering, there is like a nice you know, set of projects like HELP has a lot of data engineering going on. If you want to focus more on building analytics, you know, 300 Playbook with the Jupyter Notebooks has a great, you know, right. you know, foundation for that. So if you are someone out there that wants to start working with that or feel that, you know, I would like to get some experience into some data engineering. We have people like Nate that, you know, love to talk about, you know, how to build these pipelines as well. So I feel that reaching now and trying to find from the mentorship actually helps you a lot to not feel that you're by yourself. So, right. Yeah. Yep. It sounds like you are like on the cusp of really being seen as a thought figure and 
a lot of different spaces, right? Data science and hunting. Yeah. What do you hope to see from the community like once this project launches for everybody? Yeah. So what I expect to see is to embrace more the open source the open source side of our industry. Mm. There's a lot of initiatives out there that are great initiatives. For example, one of them would be the way how attack right, you know, categorizes their uh, specific TTPs and how they want to make sure they can share everything with the community. But the attack team also needs help, right? There's a lot of things, right, th that could be improved all the way from the data sources perspective, all the way from trying to see how we can start even documenting analytics in a way that could be mapped to data sources and analytics at the same time. So what I expect from this, you know, um, project, it's called the Hunter's Forge, is to kind of like talk to people that, you know, want to talk about threat hunting, but at the same time, you know, give something tangible, something that we can start working with, you know, together. Mm -hmm. So once again, if you're interested, for example, data analytics, you know, let's help, for example, the attack team build their, you know, what is their analytics, uh, a car analytics. So the, you know, car analytics framework, that's a, that's a great project, but it's, it's, you know, doesn't have too many things going on because I know it takes a lot of effort to build all these different things that they're building. So kind of like kind of like incentivize people and also allow them to see what we're working on and try to start collaborating. I feel that you know we all want to do a lot of things at the same time, but and there is a lot of projects out there right. and it's amazing, but I w I would like to kind of like start being a little bit more organized into how we can start impacting certain open source initiatives that are you know great for the community already. So do you think the attack frameworks would be a great first step or do you uh, foresee like another aspect to be a good starting point? For like, any initiatives to start? Yeah. yeah. So for example, one of, yeah, that would be a good, I think they, because I've been talking to to Blake um, Strom mm -hmm. to talk about how we can start improving some of the data sources pieces. That opens the gates to a lot of things. Like, so probably the first initiative would be talking about data sources in general, yeah. like, you know, available in our space, all the way from a Windows endpoint, Mac, Linux, all the way even to the cloud, right? How can we start creating this catalog and document data sources so that everybody goes to one hub, one place, and they can start understanding the data? Because everything that you do besides just the data, you know, piece of threat hunting, um, everything depends on it. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, either if you need it or either if you have it, but you cannot query, how do you even know that you even have the right data sets? Mm -hmm. So I think that the initial initial point, I think, would be awesome to start talking about how can we improve this like data source catalog or, you know, repository yeah. of data. You so. know, you have the hierarchy of needs is the hierarchy yeah. of data sources. That yeah. I think that would be kind of <laughs> cool. Like if you got to choose one, yeah. choose this one. Exactly. I think that would be kind of cool. It's pretty interesting how often that step is, is oh. missed. Like, Ooh. all right, how do I assess what I have? <laughs> That's actually part of your easy button. It was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like assess the, your collection plan. What can you collect? What data sources do you have? Yeah. And what do they mean to you? Because sure. maybe you have Windows logs but yep. you only have a few windows devices Correct. how yeah. important is that data and what does it mean to you exactly i think that that's that's to me is what actually allowed me to start getting into the you know data data engineering side and like you know data for example modeling or data quality kind of aspects of threat hunting you know mm -hmm. we kind of like like you're saying skip that step right you know we want to just go to a dashboard you know, run a query, mm -hmm. execute, expect results, and if you don't see anything, you say, well, nothing happened. We're yep. good to go. <laughs> you know, let's take lunch now. Um, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? So I think that that's, you know, to me is what actually 
kind of opened the doors to a lot of other projects. Interesting fact is that, so my wife is a data scientist. Oh wow! And nice. and and you know, but she all in the family. Yeah, but she, <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't want to talk about data science at home. Oh. <laughs> five p.m. Like, but I need you to look at this. Right. Thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> just one little thing. <laughs> so five p.m. is like that's it. We don't talk about work. But the reason why I mentioned that is because I started to to get into topics and and tools and things that also I knew that she was working with. And I was like, hmm, okay, this is getting interesting. I'm actually getting into a space that I wasn't even aware of, like mm-hmm. I wasn't even interested on. And now that's kind of the space that I want to go to. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel that that's, uh, you know, what I want to, you know, do more now and to start getting into, you know, we talk about this, you know, machine learning and right. all these different concepts, but, you know, what does that actually mean? Right. Yeah. right? What does that actually mean to, you know, choose the best machine learning model? I'm not a data scientist, but to me it's like, First, you need to understand the data if you want to actually come up with the best model, you, you know, you, you know, your best like feature kind of like engineering to pick what it is that you need. You need to know the data. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the data, you might spend a lot of time trying to figure out what will be the best to, to use. So my goal is kind of like to start building this foundation with data so that I can start even also kind of learn new things because I feel that I, you know, that's what it's all this is about, too. You know, we kind of like learns a couple of things, then that exposes to something else. And we want to learn a little bit more of this. And, and it's just like, it's, it's just a beautiful thing, you know, kind of like being the, in the industry. Right. <laughs> I feel like it's getting to a point where if you really want to hunt, especially in an enterprise, yes. you have to use some type of data science. Yes. And that's a lot, of, that's scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait, now I'm, I got to learn something <laughs> else. I got cybersecurity, now I got to learn yeah. data science. Do you have any advice for people like wanting to get into data science? Like yep. what are some of the first steps that they should look at? Yep. Maybe books or videos or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so you know, one of the things that yeah, that happened to me before as well, and it, and it still happens right now, where I get scared with a lot of things that, you know, that entails, right? Because mm-hmm. data science, you know, the buzzword that we you know hear a lot in you know in all these presentations machine learning and all that but if you kind of take what actual data science is all the way to even like a basic let's say sql query to do a group by and some you know basic statistical analysis it it that's data science right yeah <laughs> you know so it's like a whole uh, space that you know we get scared because we think about all this crazy stuff that apparently solves a lot of issues right and but at, at the end of the day th- there's actually a lot of things that we should be considering first and we might not even notice but we might be actually doing some basic data science so some basic data analysis that can translate to a basic statistical analysis um, trying to do some stacking of values trying to find for example uh, specific events over time in a period of time you know, with buckets, like five seconds bucket, something gets executed. So you're starting to do some basic kind of like data science. So my advice would be kind of like try to understand what you're doing right now. Yep. And, you know, don't think that what you're doing is not enough to even start getting into that space. If you have knowledge about the data, if you're querying your data in a way that is not just a basic Boolean search query, which is A and B or C, if you're exposing now your queries capability to something else, you know, let's do some kind of like basic grouping in here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, let's try to find some patterns in this specific, you know, set of data. To me, so you're actually getting into a little bit more beyond just a basic query. Right. I mean, I think that people shouldn't be scared to keep going that route. I think that focusing on understanding basic statistics uh, actually will put you in a good place to even start taking some of your basic queries to the next level and kind of allow you to see what it is you know that you can learn next after that 
because a lot of things get the basics from there. And I think that that's pretty much what I would recommend, you know, to get into that area. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. What I would add on to that is a lot of threat hunters are actually data scientists yes. because they are doing <laughs> those complex queries. Yes. They just don't have a pipeline. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a pipeline. Yeah. But I think if you start kind of classifying your data, yes. then you can learn those skills later. You yes. can always come back to it. I think the label data set, you know, yep. data is always king. Yep. If you have that label data set, then you're a huge step a ahead of everyone else, especially if you have the subject matter expertise. Yes. Because yeah that's that's huge i mean like that's uh you know something that for example like i've talked to a couple of data scientists and and when we're in a room together and and you know you know they bring their expertise from a data science perspective we're talking about all the way to building even their own research models to build something and then the moment we start talking about cybersecurity, how that applies it's amazing because now they're like oh okay so i built this and now that you're saying this we can actually improve this and and so it starts this conversation that having the cybersecurity background, huge, huge. You know, you, you know, to me, it's like you can know a lot about mathematics, but if you don't know how to apply the mathematics to the the specific, you know, industry, it's kind of hard to prove the value of, of of all that. And and something that you were saying is also not having the data is is huge. You know, one of the, the problems that I've seen in the industry also is that we're trying to, you know, solve these issues, you know, with machine learning or data science in general from the advanced stuff. But there is not actually, you know, data sets that would tell you, oh, okay, so if I'm looking for lateral movement, this data set would help me for lateral movement. If I'm looking for, you know, privilege escalation, this data set will help me for privilege escalation. So that to me is actually also what started a new project that I had as well. Mm. And it's something that we'll talk about tomorrow in the, in the summit as well. But in general is how can we start providing data sets to analysts or to in general data scientists that want to start testing their analytics or testing their models. How do you do that? Right. So I think that that's also something that is huge. So understanding the data, having knowledge, you know, cybersecurity expertise and also having data in general. And like you're saying, label it and categorize mm -hmm. it. It puts you in the great first step to even start doing some cool stuff with that. Wow. So, yes, there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> oh, that's great. Can't wait for your talk tomorrow. Uh, obviously, you're big in the space. Are there other people that you would recommend people uh, find on Twitter that, that are really big in the space as well? Yeah, so there's a lot of people. I think it would be hard to kind of mention like like a, a lot of people yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so so to me, I would say that it depends on what you want to do, right? right. It, it, it depends on like if you are interested, for example, in, to me, it's like, for example, from a simulation of an adversary or you know, new techniques to learn from. Mm -hmm. For example, one of my ex-colleagues, for example, Lee Christensen, his you know, Twitter handle is Tifkin. And, you know, Lee's, it's someone that if you go to his as you go, GitHub repo, you're going to find a lot of things that, mm -hmm. that it, it, it's not like a big deal for a lot of people because they don't see it yet. But once you see the, the projects that he works on, he right. actually comes up with some innovative stuff to start thinking about new ways that adversaries might be trying to compromise your environment and things right. like that. So that to me, like Lee... You know, Will Schroeder, also Harmjoy, you know, those two guys, to me, like, they're showing a lot of different things that you can do if you have access to a box and trying to, you know, to abuse protocols as well. So that's from the simulation side. From the detection side, I, I would say, like, building analytics in general, 
I think that the car analytics uh, project from you know for, from the attack team, mm -hmm. they're doing a great job of trying to now you know separate a couple of the different things that they can map to MITRE ATT&CK, you know, building analytics on the top of that and, 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 and things like that. I would also say, so this guy from, you know, from Endgame who built the EQL library as well, Ross Wolf, I think it is mm. his, his name, Ross Wolf, yeah. I think his handle is RW Access, I think it is. I'm going to share that later <laughs> in the Twitter. Nice. But uh, for example, like he's showing the ways how you can start using declarative languages like SQL-like uh, queries to analyze data. So he's you know using his project to also show a couple of analytics or just basic rules that you can build um, on the top of specific data sets and things like that. So he's huge also yep. on the analytics side. What else? I would say, oh man. So I do have people that I follow outside of cyber that yeah. actually help me a lot. Oh, to, yes. To, to yeah, work. that's good. So, you know, like, you know, we do the, you know, follow Friday, right? <laughs> right. Also, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and to me, it's like, hmm, follow Friday. Awesome. Why don't I just start sharing people that I follow outside of the industry right. that actually help me a lot? And I don't have those from the top of my head, but actually we'll do that in my in my Twitter you know, later, and I can share that later as well. Probably have it as a notes on the yeah, on the show the as well, yep. right? Yep. But I I actually follow the creators of different projects with like Jupyter Notebooks, the creators of Kafka, for example. You mm -hmm. know, they have some awesome products to to start kind of like you know joining data in real time. So all those things, creators of Apache Spark, for example. Every time I think about new ways to analyze my data. I try to go back to these Spark Summit videos, for example, that they have in their mm -hmm. conferences in uh, San Francisco, I think mm -hmm. it is. And so those are the people, like the the people involved with those projects. Like I just I just follow them, and sometimes they just drop a new thing, and they say, "Hey, you know, you, now you can have your Jupyter notebook in this open infrastructure, and you can share it with the world." And I was like. Man, if I didn't follow this guy, I, I wouldn't even know right. that. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. So th that's what I'm doing as well, too. Man, I can't believe you knew all those handles. I barely know my own Twitter. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> there, there is a lot of, of, of people out there. But I think that you know, looking at the projects that are out there kind of like expose you also to a lot of people that you might not even aware of. For example, every time someone tells me Hulk and they go to the GitHub repo and they see Nate in there. I was like, man, you got to talk to Nate, right? If you have any questions about the Elk stack and all that, you know, like Nate is the, you know, he's the man. Right. And, and people, oh, I didn't know about Nate. I was like, hey, now, well, now you know about Nate. So, <laughs> uh, so all these conversations, I think, like, don't be afraid. Go to the, the you know, projects out there, yeah. um, you know, learn about the project, see who's contributing, and then try to interact with them, right? Because there's yeah. a lot of ways that you can interact with them, you know, GitHub issues or mm -hmm. just any Slack channel available. Slack. Yep. Slack. Slack. We, you know, we have a... Uh, Slack channel that we'll be making it public uh, tomorrow. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, so it's a channel that I um, opened, I would say, two years ago, and I was able to get the thread hunt, so Slack that threadhunting.com. Oh. I, was like, I was like, man, no one took that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was so proud of that. It's funny because I told my wife that, and she's like, okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't get it. You don't yeah. get it. This yeah. is a big thing. It's like, that, it's a buying, awesome. it's, it's like buying like a DNS name, and then you just have it there. And, and this Slack channel was private because First, I didn't know how to even make it public because I, I just didn't know how to do the application in the cloud and right. make the, you know, the automatic invitation. I, I just didn't know about that. So I just left it private. But every country that I went to in the past two years, 
I started talking to people and now they're part of the channel. So we have over 200 people oh, across nice. across the world, you know, not just the states, but we're talking about, you know, different people, Qatar, Australia, uh, we're talking about different country, countries like Belgium and and it's amazing to 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 you know have him in there because First, you pretty much have people there 24 hours because of the time changing. So every time I'm like 2 a.m. in my computer, somebody it's uh, in somewhere else like 6 a.m. and yep. I was like, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> hey, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and and then besides that, you kind of bring uh, different perspectives and you know different challenges and you know like different people have challenges in Europe and here. So understanding that I think is huge. And, and and to me now, tomorrow we're going to make it public and we just expect, you know, people to kind of join the conversation mm -hmm. and kind of like inspire a lot of the, you know, development and open source initiatives that we're building and we're pushing to the community. And we hope that people that join actually want to take action on a lot of things, right? Because, you know, you can join on a Slack channel and then forget about it, right? Because right. I've actually been in some challenges that I just join and then I just forget about it. Right. And, then, you know, like there's a lot of things going on. I'm like, oh, man, I can't even talk about this right now. <laughs> um, but if you join it, we want to make sure that they, you know, have you know, resources, have people uh, that they can talk to and that they can actually feel that they want to collaborate also with the community. So. Yep. That's the big thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Roberto, really appreciate the time uh, you. that you took to sit and speak with us. For people that want to, you know, track your journey and want to continue to see the projects that you're putting out and keep in touch with you, like what are yes. some of the best ways for the people to yeah, do that? Yeah, so one of the best ways, I think right now, first we have Twitter. And my handle, once again, is CyberWarDog with a three and the zero in the dog. Yep. And then also now we have the Hunter's Forge community mm -hmm. that tomorrow will be uh, available with all the links. But in general, we have a GitHub repo, a GitHub public organization that is called Hunter's Forge. And that one is where I will actually be spending a lot of my time trying to manage the projects, trying to, you know, bring people in and all that. So through Twitter and through GitHub, an issue, if you drop an issue saying, hey, can we talk? I would love to, you know, get that issue and, and start working with you together if you want to talk about something. Okay. Uh, so I think that those are the best ways. And then tomorrow we have the uh, Slack channel invitation for uh, for everybody to join. So I think that that would be also the direct way to, to talk to me because I, I just have Slack everywhere and uh, just talk about it. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when my wife is not watching, I'm just looking at the Slack in there <laughs> and I'm like, all right, so <laughs> put it back in. It's funny, my wife asked me for the recording of this, so we're going to be... I'm going to cut this part and help me with She's like, can you please send me the link for that? I want to know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, but thank you. No, th you know, thank you very much for the invitation. I actually had a good time. Uh, it's my first uh, interview, I would say, ever. You know. Okay. Yeah, so this is awesome. I actually very like very it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, and we'll yeah. see everybody next time. All right. Thank you.